Now, you may be saying, look, I want to believe, I'm a Christian, and I want to believe that God's purpose is to bless me. But it's hard. I have cancer. My son does not believe in Jesus. I'm estranged from my husband. You're telling me that God's purpose is to bless us? I'm reading the news, Pastor. I'm seeing what's going on in the world. You're telling me that God has a purpose to bless us? Welcome to the God-Centered Life with Josh Moody, continuing our look at the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, verses 3 through 14. God's purpose is to bless us. It's part of our Heavenly Places series. Josh Moody is Senior Pastor of College Church in Wheaton, Illinois. Thanks for joining us today. Josh, a real heaviness Mm. to that list in the opener. Mm. Mm. Do we tend to bring our own definitions to the word bless? I suppose we do, don't we? It's such a trivial kind of thing. Bless you, you know, God bless you. Ah, oh, bless, you know, as they say in some parts of England. I think they do. I'm sure they do in America too. And it, we mean so often something pretty superficial by it. I think it's also a barrier to believe, even if we have biblical definitions of blessing, which of course is what we're seeking to get as we look at this passage, it can be quite a barrier to really believe that God has something good for us given the situations that we may be facing today, and yet he does, and that's so encouraging. Well, let's jump in and find that encouragement. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Here's Josh. The Apostle Paul is writing this uh, letter to the Ephesian church. Uh, They are in a situation very similar to the one that we face today in all sorts of different ways. They have uh, many different gods around them, many different religious ideologies. They're dominated by the political power of of Rome. They're not living in a a Christian culture, a Christian society. It's a very different situation in many different ways. We've got internet and phones and electricity and all the rest. But... Don't think of the book of Ephesians as sort of writing to an ancient world that has no comparable resonance with our day. In fact, in many ways, as our culture becomes less Christian, it's more like the situation that Paul was writing to into ancient Ephesus with many different gods and political domination and machinations that don't seem to be for Christian truth. And Paul is writing to the uh, Ephesian Christians, wanting to encourage them. That's his aim. Encourage them with the heavenly places. That's his theme. And in this passage we're looking at this morning, we come to the first of his particular application of how they can be encouraged about these heavenly places, which is that God's purpose is to bless us. That's what's really going on, Christian. Let's see how he wants them to see the real reality and wake up from the fiction that if they're Christians, they're not blessed. Actually, they are. They have every spiritual blessing. First of all, eternity past, verses 4 to 6. So he's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Then verse 4, even as or because, here's, here's how we have God's purposes to bless us. This is how and why. This is the reason. Even as he chose us, or because he chose us, in him, before the foundation of the world. What a text. You, Christian, were chosen before physical reality existed. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Uh, Paul, as a preacher, 
immediately indicates that this choice doesn't mean any lack of action morally. No, that we must be holy and blameless before him. Do not think that the biblical doctrine of God's sovereignty is ever at war with or contradictory to human responsibility to be holy and blameless. Because God is sovereign, therefore we must be holy. That's the way the the Bible thinks about it. God's sovereignty and human responsibility are never biblically at war with each other. Thinking biblically, you would never say, because God is sovereign, therefore I don't need to do anything. No, because God is sovereign, therefore I must do something. Therefore I must pray, because why would you pray to any God who isn't sovereign? What would be the point? That's the way the Bible thinks about it. Why would you evangelize if God isn't sovereign? What would be the point? If God isn't able to convert, why would I preach? But for all that theologizing, Paul is not really looking at this through the lens of logic. He's looking at it through the lens of love. Do you see how this section, the verses four to six, this eternity past, how love is emphasized? When we think of the love of God, according to the Apostle Paul, we should think of his sovereignty. His sovereign choice of us. That before you had a thought, before you were a twinkle in the eye of your father or your mother, before time existed, before the world existed, he loved you. God's purpose to bless us from eternity past and then into his action in time. This is verses 7 to 10. He then shifts to what God did to show his his purpose to bless. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Of course, he's talking about the cross when Jesus died on the cross and he gave his blood that we might be washed whiter than snow and clean from all our impurities. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. If if God's sovereignty is connected to love, then his, his work in Christ is connected to the riches of his grace which he lavished I love that way it's put here he lavished upon us now you may be saying look I want to believe I'm a Christian and I want to believe that God's purpose is to bless me but it's hard I have cancer and you're telling me God's purpose is to bless me My son does not believe in Jesus. And you're telling me that God's sovereign purpose is to bless us? I'm estranged from my husband. And you're telling me that God's purpose is to bless us? I'm reading the news, pastor. I'm seeing what's going on in the world. You're telling me that God has a purpose to bless us? I remember once when I was doing some mission work in the former Soviet Union and it was a very disturbed time out there and this particular time when I was out there was reasonably traumatic, let's put it like that. And I was feeling 
all that might go with having gone through a pretty disturbed personal experience in an upside-down kind of culture with all sorts of craziness going on. And I, I came back to uh, uh, London, which many of you know, is, I was just born just south of London, and I, I flew back in, and I, 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 I was a young man at the time, I think early 20s or mid-20s, and I came to see my parents who lived just on the outs just in greater London and went to see them and I didn't have a car so I borrowed uh, their car and I drove into the middle of London to Westminster and I got to Westminster Square and I drove around that square a few times if you've ever been there it can be very busy and I sort of drove around it slowly a few times and each time as I drove by I looked up at Big Ben and I thought to myself despite everything else that's going on, it's still here. Actually, um, Rochelle, I proposed to Rochelle just opposite Big Ben on a, um, some years later. Uh, there was a, at the time, there was a, just a park bench there, and I proposed looking at, across at, uh, at Big Ben. And by the way, they've replaced that park bench with the London Eye, to mark the spot where we uh, got engaged. It was very nice of them to do so. Cancer, relational friction, feeling sad. I've, I've, I've come in this morning, it's dark outside. I feel, I, I'm trying to say, now thank we all our God, but that's not what I'm feeling. And then you go back to the redemption in his blood. His action in time. You go back to Calvary. And it's still there. And you know his purpose is to bless you. So much has he lavished his grace upon you. We've looked at the past, the present, next up, (laughs) you guessed it. And we'll do that in just a moment. But first, a reminder that we'd love to hear from you. Our website has a contact page. Let us know where you're listening, how you're listening, whether via a podcast app, the internet, or radio station. All of that information is so meaningful to us. GodCenteredLife.org is that website. Back into Ephesians, here's Josh. God's purpose to bless us, eternity past, to his action in time as a plan for the fullness of time. It's a wonderful way of describing how God is sort of bringing to boil all the different parts of his planning until this moment, not, not chronos as in a certain two different Greek words for time, chronos and kairos, not chronos as in like what time it is this morning. It's, it's 9.45 or 10 o'clock or whatever it is right now. But, but, but kairos as in just the right time. That moment in time, you go there and you know God's purpose is to bless us. Past, present, and then future. As I say, it's a, uh, the, the scholar who said it's a kaleidoscope, a brilliant shifting colors and, and dazzling lights is absolutely right. And it's, a, it's, it's been verbalized, dictated. So now it's from verse 11. He shifts to the future, but he sort of recaps 
back as well. You see how he does it. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Looking forward to the inheritance that will be finally fulfilled, of course, in the future. But then he goes back. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, which was the first movement, the eternity past. He's reminding us of it so that we don't forget the eternity past, action in time. So that we, now he's going forwards, so that, which is the predominance of the movement, verse 11 to 14, verse 12, so that we who were the first to what hope in Christ, he's looking forwards, might be to the praise for his glory. In him you also, when you, now he's back to the action in time, recapping again, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. You heard the message of the redemption of his blood and you believed, if you're a Christian, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is, now he's going future, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it that is in glory and therefore to the praise of his glory. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places you're revealing this unseen spiritual reality for us. Past, action and time, now future. The guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it because of God's purpose to bless us. Therefore he is blessed, that is, therefore he is praised. We praise him. Not only, therefore, do we have this objective place to go to, Calvary. It's still there, the cross, the action in time. We also have the Holy Spirit, the seal guaranteeing our inheritance. Of course, in the ancient world, world seals were used to verify the authenticity of a document we're sealed we're really his a down payment a foretaste of the coming glories in the world to come not only the objective reality of Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross that we'll be remembering when we go through Easter but also the subjective experience of the spirit that he has shed abroad in our hearts his hope that we know, we Christians, we know that there's something more to come. We have the seal of the Spirit inside. Oh, it's a feeling, it's an experience, it's an affection. And you say, well, that's all very sentimental. Well, there is the objective reality. There's a coherence of the plan from eternity past, the God's sovereignty and human responsibility that fits and coheres around his love. And there's the objective marker of his action in time. But there is also the experience, the connection. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. That I know what I know. Perhaps it happens to you when you're listening to music. 
You're going for a walk in the woods on your own. For me, often when I'm in worship with God's people, there's an internal hope. The spirit lifts within me. And I know God's purpose is to bless us. All sorts of things can be going on in the external reality. All sorts, and you don't, you don't ignore that or downplay that or pretend it's not true. Or, or, or. But you know there's a greater truth. That from eternity past to his action in time to eternity future and the Holy Spirit witnesses to your spirit, to your heart that you are his Child of God, God's purpose is for your good to bless you. And Paul's aim is that the Ephesians would uh, again believe it. In him you also, when you heard of the word, the truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, that they would again believe it, that they would be encouraged by God's purpose to bless in the heavenly realms. There's all the evidence we could have. And yet sometimes it is hard to believe, isn't it? I was talking with a colleague this week and as we were chatting, I, I told this old preacher story. I've got a kind of like a infrastructure in my mind of all sorts of different stories for any moment you can tell my children they'll be annoyed by it but and this is a little bit of an old preacher story but it makes the point as we close there was a man who thought he was dead so he goes to his pastor and says pastor I'm pretty convinced I'm not actually alive I'm dead and the pastor has never come across this before so he refers him to a counselor and the counsellor has never really come across this before, so he refers to him to an eminent psychiatrist. He goes to the eminent psychiatrist, he says to him, Doctor, I'm pretty convinced I'm not alive, I'm dead. And the psychiatrist tries to persuade him that indeed he's alive to no avail. Eventually the psychiatrist says, look, here's, here's what I want you to do. Go away for a week, come back next week, and in that week I want you to do all the research you can as to what is the difference between a living person and a dead person, then come back and we'll talk about it. So the patient says, okay, I'll do that. So he goes away for a week. He does all sorts of research on the difference between a living person and a dead person. He comes back next week, sits in front of the psychiatrist and his big impressive desk, sits in front of him and he says, doctor, I have the answer. I have figured out there is one irrefutable proof that distinguishes between a living person and a dead person. And the psychiatrist said, okay, what's that? He said, well, dead men don't bleed. And the psychiatrist says, excellent. And he gets up from behind his desk. He has a small pin in his hand. He rolls back the patient's arm. He pricks him on, the, on his forearm. And a little drop of blood starts to form. And the psychiatrist looks at his patient and says, see? And the patient says, yes, I do see. It's amazing. Dead men do bleed. Christian, God's purpose is to bless you in every way, with every spiritual blessing. 
Oh, be encouraged. Lift up your face. From eternity past to his action in time to eternity future. God's purpose is to bless us. Let's pray together. Our Father, it's so easy to live in a world that seems so real. Death and taxes and the daily grind of nine to five, sickness, heartache, a broken relationship. And therefore, Lord, even for your people, to begin to think that these things define uh, define what is real, define who we are, define what it is that you want for us. Help us, Lord, to see the unseen spiritual realm, the heavenly places, your purpose to bless us with every spiritual blessing. From eternity past to your action in time to eternity future. And whether we are physically beautiful, whether we are a genius with an IQ of 150, whether we are disabled, whether we are emotionally on the mountains or in the valley, there's a bigger purpose, Lord. Through it all, that cannot be derailed. And amazingly, Father God, it is for our good and our blessing. And so we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. That's Josh Moody, and this is The God-Centered Life. Josh, we began this session asking what blessing means when our external reality is an absolute mess. Uh, But in this session, you went on to describe the inner reality. Hmm. So revisiting the idea of blessing, and we talked about praying uh, last time, Mm -hmm. is it valid to pray for blessing when we're in these external challenges? Well, I don't think there's anything we cannot bring to God in prayer. That's such a great truth, isn't it? He's our Heavenly Father. So anything we're concerned about, uh, cast all our anxieties on Him, for He cares for us. And certainly we can pray for health issues and for physical challenges and and all the rest. And God does have a plan in the end to give us a a new body and the the new heaven and new earth to come. And Mm. so those prayers even if not fulfilled now, will be if we're in Christ one day fulfilled. Mm. We can pray about those things, but we should also have a perspective that God uh, can use even our pain and difficulty for his glory. And our transformed mind and heart can cause us to live for him and to be witnesses to him, even if those physical blessings are not uh, answered in the way we would like. Certainly not an easy perspective, but yeah. one that's freeing if you can actually. Oh, get I like there. that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I enjoyed the uh, the Big Ben yeah. picture. <laughs> uh, you know, Big Ben is still there. The cross is still yeah, there. Maybe a, a one, Londoner's picture, perhaps. But one I of hope my recent visits, Big Ben was covered with scaffolding. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. even then, I knew it was still there. <laughs>
Thank you, Josh. Uh, instead of arguing with the world about what's right and wrong about sexual choices, we're inviting you to discover a more effective approach, one that's provided by a practical resource that we're offering currently this month. It's called Rethinking Sexuality, God's Design and Why It Matters. If you're able to swing by our website and share a gift with us of any amount, this powerful and insightful book by Dr. Julie Slattery will be sent your way and help you with the conversations that you're having with those that are wrestling with culture and its view of sexuality. Our web address, GodCenteredLife.org. Thanks in advance for helping us out. Next time we get together, not dead yet. What he wants them to see is that the future belongs to the church. Now, we, we don't think like that these days. But there's all this doom and gloom about the church. Don't you believe it? We're going to continue our look at the book of Ephesians when we get together next time. We'd love for you to take advantage of the resources that are collected at GodCenteredLife.org, and we'd love for you to join us around God's Word next time, right here at The God-Centered Life with Josh Moody. Josh Moody.